Welcome, and thanks for tuning in today. You're listening to I've Heard That Song Before, and I'm your host, Joe Hunter. And every week we invite a guest into the studio to examine a song from the Great American Songbook. And this week in the studio we have great Cleveland stride pianist George Foley. Welcome, George. Thanks, Joe. George has chosen a composition by the brilliant stride pianist Thomas Fats Waller. And George, what tune of his have you chosen? Ain't Misbehaving. All right. Before we get into that great classic American tune, George, you know, we've known each other for many years, and I've always thought of you as a scholar of the music of Fats Waller and generally of the music of the 20s, 30s, and 40s. How did you get introduced to Waller's music? I heard a Fats Waller record when I was 15, and it absolutely blew my mind. Couldn't believe it. And had you already been involved in ragtime music at that point? I'd been playing ragtime for two years. So I assume his music had quite an impact on you. It certainly did, and it sounded rather like ragtime to me, but a little more complicated. And was he the first pianist that really got you into this world of stride piano? Yes, he was. Having studied classical piano, I also appreciated a lot of his pianistic prowess. Yeah, I don't think that people really understand just what a brilliant pianist he was. He's known so much as a composer and sort of a musical personality, but you've been responsible for turning me on to some of his really brilliant piano solo recordings. His personality was so overwhelming, I think that it was hard to tell how great his piano playing was. Exactly. It came so easy to him that you never really paid attention to this brilliant piano playing that was going on. Right. Well, Fats was so effervescent and ebullient and funny that he was really thought of as a comedian. And when you listen underneath, you can hear the great piano. But I think if you hear the piano solos, it's a little easier to separate that out. And he really was an incredibly prolific composer. He worked a lot with the lyricist Andy Razoff, the two of them turned out a lot of great tunes, didn't they? Sure did. My understanding is that he could write tunes so quickly that he would sell off the rights to these tunes for very little money because he might need the money and he would just dash off these compositions. Well, I have the sheet music to prove that in some instances he would go through the Brill building and sell it to two or three different people and it would come out with two or three different titles, some of the instrumentals. Wow. Well, George, as we mentioned before, Fats Waller was really one of the great stride pianists to emerge from the 1920s, along with James P. Johnson and Willie the Lion Smith. And I know that's the type of piano tradition that you're very involved in. Could you tell our listeners a little bit about this piano tradition? Well, stride piano is a lot like ragtime in that the left hand hits a low note and then comes up and hits a chord, and the right hand is doing a lot of kind of fancy ornamental figures. I mean, one might say it's an older sound. I mean, it certainly came from an era in American music when the piano was the dominant force. Piano players often played parties and gigs just by themselves without bands. Right. You didn't really have to have a band. Back then, the piano styles were so full that you didn't really need a whole band. And certainly Waller emerged at a very early age as one of the top pianists in New York City. He did, and he didn't actually become a world-famous figure till some years after that, but all the musicians knew about him and appreciated him. From his early solo piano, or actually, I think you've told me he recorded several piano roles for player pianos, didn't he? That was in his earliest days, when he was still apprenticing, kind of, to James P. Johnson. And what year would that have been? That was as early as, say, 1923 and 24. Mm-hmm. Well, we know that Fats Waller really had quite an appetite for life and all things. I mean, he was a big man, very, very large, and he could consume more alcohol and food than the average guy. But I understand that Fats wasn't his first nickname, was it? Well, Willie the Lion Smith, one of the other great stride pianists, who was not always a very nice man, when he first met Fats, was not impressed with his appearance and (laughs) called him filthy. Shabby apparel? His clothing was rather shabby, yes. (laughs) 
Now, when Fats first got to New York and he started making a name for himself, I know that there was a tradition in New York that he became part of, and that was the rent party. That was one way for people in Harlem to pay their rent. You would pay a dollar at the door and you get all you could eat and drink. Of course, that was prohibition, so that was a good deal. But the big feature at these parties was the folks having the party would hire the great piano players and Fats Waller and some of the other big name pianists would come through. And it worked out for the pianists because there might be five or six of these parties every night. And so they would kind of round robin go through the parties. There was a circuit. Must have been a lot of fun. Oh, yeah. And Fats was not only a great pianist, but I know that his other great love was the organ. And he was a renowned great organist, wasn't he? He loved to play organ. And Count Basie literally sat at his feet while Fats pumped the organ for movies in New York and learned a lot about that. That was one of his jobs when he was living in New York. He would play for the silent pictures, play the organ, right? I guess sometimes he would get a little carried away and wouldn't be paying attention to what was going on in the movie. And it might be a very touching, sad scene when he'd be going, la, 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 la. (laughs) And there are... A fair amount of examples on recording of him playing the organ. Right. And to me, it's a wonderful sound. I understand when he toured, he often toured with an electric organ that he could have in his hotel room, and he really enjoyed playing classical compositions. That would have been neat to hear. Well, George, I credit you with helping keep these wonderful piano traditions alive. How do people react to it today? Well, I think it makes people smile. And people find it pretty amazing that one person can play all that stuff and keep it together. Well, I think people are sort of surprised by it because in this day and age, pianists don't have to have the skills to perform this type of music. And it was part of the piano tradition if you were going to be a professional player. And I think you're one of the few players that are out there that are keeping that tradition alive. Well, I learned a lot about how to play the piano from Fats Waller. Well, why don't we get into this great American song, Ain't Misbehavin' by Thomas Fats Waller. And I think we have to start with the composer himself. This is a recording made two months before Fats Waller died. This was done in New York City in October of 1943. And this is from a radio show. So you're going to hear Fats's personality on the front end of it. You hear him joking around a little bit and give you somewhat of an idea of what a effervescent personality he was. This is Fats Waller playing his composition, Ain't Misbehavin'. All you gotta do is give me air and I'll fit it. One way or another. Yes, yes, yes. There's his signature lick. Glamour music, you know. No one to talk with all by myself. No one to walk with, but I'm happy on the elevation on the shelf. I know for certain, the one I love, 
I'm through with flirting, it's you that I'm thinking of. Hey, misbehaving, saving my love for you. Like Jack Horner, in a corner, don't go nowhere. What do I care? Your kisses are worth waiting for. Believe me, I don't stay out late. No place to go. I'm home about eight, just me and my radio. Hey, misbehaving, saving my love for you, for you, yes, you. All my love for you, find you, yeah. Fats Waller performing his classic composition, Ain't Misbehaving, taken from a radio show, 1943, two months before he died. And I believe he died on a train coming back from Los Angeles on his way to New York. Right, died of pneumonia, ostensibly. I identify so much with Fats Waller that when I was 39, which was the age at which he died, I was very nervous. And when I made it to 40, I felt better. (laughs) We're here in studio with our guest, George Foley, listening to renditions of this classic American song by Fats Waller, Ain't Misbehavin'. And you can really hear that personality come through on that performance, can't you? It's so full of life. It's almost like every note and everything he says is just shooting right at you. And as you mentioned earlier, the personality, his vocal performance is so large that you almost don't pay attention to the piano playing. It's just brilliant piano playing underneath, but he's having so much fun. You just get swept up in the joy of the vocal performance. Right. I know, George, you do a lot of singing on your gigs, and you sing a lot of Fats Waller tunes. Has he inspired you? Oh, absolutely. I don't know if I'm quite as much fun as he is, but it's certainly a lot of fun to do his songs. There's one little thing I noticed. When he got to the bridge, he did a double time thing, which you mentioned. And I do that all the time. I say to the band, double time. But you have to do it exactly right or it's, you know. Yeah, it's quite a great trick there and it really heightens the rhythmic excitement. If you don't do it exactly right, it falls flat. Well, the next rendition of the song we're going to hear is going to be by a gentleman who was a good friend of Fats Waller's and was one of the first people to introduce this song and another dynamo performer. And of course, is the incomparable Louis Armstrong. Another great voice who was fun to hear. Yeah, that's right. We've been talking about the classic Thomas Fats Waller composition, Ain't Misbehavin'. I found it always to be a crowd pleaser. And of course, this song was written by Fats Waller and lyricist Andy Razoff. For a show called Hot Chocolates, which played in New York. And Louis Armstrong, shortly after the show started, joined the cast. And for the intermission, he would play this song. And it's possible that that added to the popularity of the number, since Louis was a big star at that time. Absolutely. I'm sure his performances helped catapult this song. So this version we're going to be listening to comes from Louis Armstrong and his All-Stars, recorded in May of 1947. Now, this is one of my favorite Armstrong bands, featuring pianist Billy Kyle and bassist Arvel Shaw and drummer Barrett Deems and two very special guests on this recording, trombonist and vocalist Jack Teagarden and trumpeter Bobby Hackett. This is recorded live. Again, this is Louis Armstrong playing our featured song of the day, Fats Waller's Ain't Misbehavin'.
walk with by myself. No one to walk with. I'm happy on the shelf. Misbehaving, saving my life. Oh, no, 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 Armstrong playing our featured song for today, Thomas Fats Waller's Ain't Misbehavin'. And you know, George, both Louis Armstrong and Fats Waller had personalities and vocal stylings bigger than life, and both were virtuoso players. And it's interesting to know that they were such good friends, too. Absolutely. That was a really spirited rendition. By the way, did you notice, I don't know if I ever heard this version, I probably have, but did you notice when Louis Armstrong came back in, he played part of another song that was a Cotton Club tune from that period called Doing the New Low Down. And I also heard another quote in there. It sounded like the Gershwin Rhapsody in blue. Oh, right. He used that as a break as well. And for all you observant listeners, you might have noticed on the beginning, the other trumpet player who was featured 
before the vocal started. That was the great trumpeter Bobby Hackett. And also we heard some nice trombone playing from Jack Teagarden. Jack Teagarden, who was another great singer. Yes, and I forgot to mention that was Peanuts Hucko on the clarinet. And as you said, that really was a spirited rendition, wasn't Did it? you notice the difference in tempo? A lot faster. Yeah, a lot faster. Yeah. And of course, all that crash banging, swinging drumming, that was Barrett Deems. Dropping those bombs all the time. Yes, yes. And it's a lot of fun to hear both Louis Armstrong approach those lyrics as well as Fats Waller singing about not misbehaving. About staying home <laughs> and not going out and partying and being okay with that. I don't think he was that way. No, he wasn't fussy at all. I think that was part of the fun for the audience is that you know he's playing with this idea. Yeah, yeah. I mean, it's kind of funny to hear Fats talk about ain't misbehaving because he misbehaved constantly. Like Jack Horner in the corner, don't go nowhere, what do I care? There's a sort of nursery rhyme quality to the lyrics to the bridge. That's true, isn't it? And of course, all of us hear it. I've heard that song before, like that last verse too. Don't stay out late, nowhere to go, we're just staying home listening to the radio. He used to say often, my neighbor's radio. Which, what did that imply, come to think of it, was that he was too poor to have one? <laughs> right. Well, coming up next, we're going to have our... First instrumental version of this classic tune by Fats Waller, Ain't Misbehavin'. And this is going to be performed by, and I think Fats Waller would agree with us, probably the greatest jazz piano player of all time, and that is Art Tatum. And this comes from a whole box set of recordings made by the great Norman Grants. And I think one of the great things that Norman Grants did for humanity was to set Art Tatum in the studio. And from about 1953 to 1955, he would just rent studio time, tune the piano, buy a case of beer, and let Art Tatum go to town and record whatever he wanted to record. And uh, there's a very famous story about Art Tatum showing up at a gig of Fats Waller's in New York City. And Fats said, ladies and gentlemen... I'm just a piano player, but now we have God in the house. There's another story, Joe. Somebody who observed Fats the first time he heard Art Tatum play. Fats was sitting there having a drink, which was what Fats always did. And they said that Fats lifted his drink toward his mouth and Art started playing. And it's the only time they ever saw that drink stop halfway there. <laughs> That's Probably great. with his mouth open. That's a great story. These two gentlemen had a mutual admiration society. So it should be very interesting to hear the great jazz pianist Art Tatum play his interpretation of Fats Waller's Ain't Misbehavin'. What Art Tatum managed to do was to take all the stuff that Fats Waller and the stride pianists play and play it three times faster and just as clean. And I love all those stride traditions combined with Art Tatum's incredibly inventive harmonic mind. I read somewhere, it was a review of an Art Tatum performance. They described his brain as like a prism. And so any song could come in one ear and be refracted through the prism of Art Tatum's mind. And what came out on the other side, harmonically, could be just a rainbow of chords. Oh, absolutely amazing. I've heard people say that that was really the beginning of bebop. I always credit him with being the beginnings of what we consider to be modern jazz harmony. Right. And it's interesting that he came out of a very solid foundation, a tradition that included Fats Waller. Absolutely. Well, why don't we listen to this great instrumental version of our featured song today, Fats Waller's Ain't Misbehavin'. Why don't we? This is Art Tatum, again, playing solo piano, recorded in 1953. <laughs> Thank you. 
incomparable Art Tatum performing our featured song by Fats Waller. That was Ain't Misbehavin'. And boy, we certainly got a lot of classic Art Tatum flurries. And you made the point earlier before we heard this song that he could play all those traditions established by the stride players at the speed of light. I like the way toward the end, a couple times he kind of came down emotionally a little bit, more tender, more introspective, and then went back into the moving ahead stuff. And you pointed out in one of the sections there, he really did play a straight stride. Not for very long. Not for very long, did he? I mean, it was a very sort of restless performance all over the place, unlike the traditions of the stride pianists who will really sit in that groove, if you will, you know, really commit to that time. You know, it's almost danceable. You couldn't really dance to that stride. Yeah, a lot of the stride players played for dancing. And I think art would have been hard to dance to, at least in the 50s. Absolutely. But we did hear an awful lot of those incredible harmonic... I mean, they're just sort of tossed out. They happen so fast. There are sections where I know I hear a portion of that song, and I've played this song many times. I think of maybe two or three chords that might get played. And I listen to Art Tatum play that same section of the song, and I can't keep track of how many chords I've just heard. It's just a flourish of harmonic. Oh, no kidding. And then toward the end, he does this pedal thing in the left hand. It's almost like... A drone he did on the end. Yes, a drone. It's like it's a Scottish number all of a sudden. Yes, absolutely. And I also like that sort of emotional contrast he had there on the end. That was very interesting. Great performance. Absolutely. Well, we have one more performance of this great American tune coming up. We're going to hear a version by one of my favorite performers, a gentleman who I think has been making some of the freshest albums for a number of years. This is a guy who came to attention in the early 1970s. He was one of the first regular musical guests on Saturday Night Live when it aired in 1974. He was on a lot in 1974 and 75 and very fresh voice. And he's always been really committed to early American music, as you have, George. I loved it when he was on the show because he was doing a bunch of the stuff I like to do. Well, the version we're going to hear comes from his 1975 release on Warner Brothers. This is also interesting, George, because this particular recording is going to feature a gentleman who I'm sure was friends with Fats Waller, and I imagine they shared many nights of drinking and playing music together. And I'm talking about the great jazz violinist, Joe Venuti. Joe was quite a character. They must have had a great time together. Well, you know, Joe Venuti was one of the most renowned practical jokers in the history of jazz. You're right, Joe. Here's a story. I hope I get it right. Joe called up about 40 bass players and told them to meet him on a corner in New York for a gig. And so they started congregating and they're all standing there with their basses. And then Joe drove by and did something rather inappropriate to them and just kept driving. Well, that's a true story because the follow-up was he was fined by the musicians union for that little antic. Oh, I didn't hear that. I suppose that's only fair. And there's one that we probably can't tell on the air, but let's just say it involves Roy Rogers' horse Trigger. Ah, yes. with that said, let's listen to this very fun rendition of Fats Waller's Ain't Misbehavin'. This is Leon Redbone featuring Joe Venuti. Thank you. 
wanna talk with all by myself. I want to walk with, but I'm happy on the shelf. Ain't misbehaving, saving my love for you. I know for certain the one I love. I'm through with flirting, just you I'm dreaming of. Ain't misbehaving, saving my love for you. Like Jack Horner in the corner, don't go nowhere. Why do I care? Your kisses I was waiting for. Believe me, I don't stay out late. Don't care to go. I'm home, my body, just me and my radio. Jack Horner in the corner, don't go nowhere. What do I care? Your kisses I was waiting for. I don't stay out late, don't care to go. I'm home, my body, just me and my radio. And that was Leon Redbone, along with Joe Venuti on the violin, and they were performing our featured song for today that was Fats Waller's Ain't Misbehavin'. And it should be pointed out, George, that Joe Venuti must have been near the end of his life when that was recorded. This was a gentleman who was making records in the 1920s with Eddie Lang and Bing Crosby. Right. He started recording about the same time as Fats. I thought that was a nice laid-back rendition. Very nice. Leon Redbone always has his own singular uh, approach to the chords. Not always orthodox. No. uh, (laughs) He seems to make them work. Absolutely. I love that laid-back very understated, as my wife said, that old hound dog sort of approach to <laughs> singing, you know. And I like his sort of mumbly scat singing as well. Right. He's not quite the vocal virtuoso that Fats and Louie were, but he makes it work. Yeah. What a nice contrast. I think that overall, Hey Misbehaving, maybe one of the reasons why it's been popular with musicians is it lends itself to a lot of different treatments. Yes. And it's been very popular with vocalists. I know 
Ella Fitzgerald and Dakota Stanton. Somebody told me the other day that Sarah Vaughn did quite a nice version of it. Oh, I'd like to hear that, yes. It's been probably his most recorded tune, wouldn't you say? Yeah, something I forgot to mention earlier, often when I play it, people are singing along. It's a lyric that makes you smile. Right. Well, we've been having a lot of fun today in the studio with our guest, Cleveland stride pianist George Foley. We've been listening to renditions of Fats Waller's Ain't Misbehavin', and we started with Fats himself, and then we went to Fats's good friend Louis Armstrong, and then we heard a very interesting instrumental version of the song by the great pianist Art Tatum, another friend of Fats Waller's, and we finally finished with Leon Redbone and Joe Venuti playing Ain't Misbehavin'. And in keeping with our tradition here at I've Heard That Song Before, we like to finish with a bonus track for our guest. This is going to be a tune written by another pal of Fats Waller's, a pianist that our guest, George Foley, introduced me to, and I'm talking about great pianist Joe Sullivan. Joe Sullivan's always been one of my favorite pianists, and you can hear a lot of Fats in Joe Sullivan's playing, too. And this is a tune of his, very famous tune of his, entitled Little Rock Getaway. And we're going to hear this song performed by a Columbus, Ohio pianist, John Ulrich. John has been on the national traditional jazz scene for a number of years. And this is from a record of his he put out a couple years ago. And I thought I'd play this for you, George. I wanted to hear what you thought of it. Well, I met John a few years ago when he came to play in town with a band. He was great and very nice guy. Very nice guy. So let's listen to John Ulrich from Columbus, Ohio perform this Joe Sullivan composition entitled Little Rock Getaway.
And that was Columbus pianist John Ulrich performing a composition by Joe Sullivan entitled Little Rock Getaway. George, did you think that performance reflected an influence of Joe Sullivan himself, the composer? To a certain degree. And I forgot to mention earlier that that tune featured some great Columbus musicians as well, like Gary Carney and Barney Rucker, Chris Moore, Glenn Kimmel, and Tom Battenberg, some of the finer traditional jazz players working down in Columbus, Ohio. Yeah, Joe, I think the traditional jazz scene is pretty healthy in quite a few American cities now. That's a great thing. Especially here in Cleveland, would you say? I think it's doing pretty well. And I'm lucky enough to be able to make a living with that fun music. Well, we've had a lot of fun today in studio with our guest, Cleveland stride pianist, George Foley. Thank you, George. Thank you, Joe. It's been great. Today, we've had a lot of fun listening to various renditions of Fats Waller's Ain't Misbehavin' from Fats himself to Louis Armstrong and Leon Redbone and little Art Tatum thrown in there. And that's our program for today. You've been listening to I've Heard That Song Before. I'm your host, Joe Hunter, and we'll see you next week. Grown up. Me too. Yep, me too. But you know, these days being a grown up can really suck. Luckily, we're grown ups who grew up in the coolest generation. We had video arcades. And also some of the best TV and movies ever made. We lived the origin of awesome consumer electronics. The list goes on and on. Yep, Generation X. Exactly. And we're Gen X Grown Up. Every week, the Gen X Grown Up podcast explores media, tech, toys, games, and more from both yesterday and today. Through the eyes of Generation Xers who absolutely love that stuff. You can find us on iTunes or wherever you get your podcasts. Or find us on our website, genxgrownup.com. All right, you think that was good enough? I I hope so, man. I'm tired. (laughs) Who listens to a promo on a podcast and then goes and listens to a different podcast? Right. I've never done it. (laughs) I know, right.